Well, welcome back to those of you who are here with us for week number one. If you weren't, you can catch it online. We talked about uh, the action plan God has for husbands and wives, what it looks like to have a thriving marriage that's blessed by God, a happy, holy home. And as I started last week, if you weren't here, I talked about having that is the dream of, of just about everyone. If you think back to the, the dream of meeting Mr. Wright, getting married, the, the home and, and happiness is something that hasn't really changed. I mean, 90% of people are still, at some point in this life, going to get married to someone. While there are a lot more single people now than ever before, marriage is still desired by almost everybody. But the path to the happy, holy home, the, the dream that I talked about last week of every little girl who had her dollhouse and, and played with them, how to get there has changed. When you look at the stats, and there are a whole lot of stats when it comes to marriage and, and how things have changed, the census in 2018 that was done tells us this, that, that 40 years ago, the percentage of 60% of young people were married between the ages of 18 and 34. So 18 to 34-year-olds, 60% of them were married but the most recent census said it's now half of that. Like that age group used to get married at two times the rate as it currently is. Why is that? Because I think a lot of people have grown up in a generation where they have seen not that. Like they've seen broken home, they've seen divorce, they've seen a whole lot of mess and, the whole, and, a, and not a lot of happy. And it's causing them to stop and pause because they still want it. Everyone does. But how you get there is different. Like, did you know that in, from 1964 to 1974, I think I have my stats right, in that time frame, uh, during that era, only 11% of women cohabitated and lived with their future spouse before marriage. 11%, one in 10. Like I talked to somebody who left church on Thursday night who's been married 67 years and, and his words were, I knew nobody, nobody who ever did that. You know what the number is today? Well, not even today, a decade ago, I think it's gone up higher. Seven out of 10. Seven out of 10 women live together with the person they are dating, maybe engaged to, they live with them before they are married. And there are some of you who are in here today and, and have probably heard this or grew up with this, that the church, the pastor that you had, the, the catechism instruction you had, told you right up front, living together before you're married is sinful. But you know what most Christians don't even believe? It's sinful. Like 85% of Americans would say living together before you're married is acceptable. 75% of Catholics and Protestants, which Lutherans are a Protestant, religion-based, 75% of them say acceptable. Like something has shifted where 40 years ago only one in 10 was, was cohabitating to now where nearly everyone is and, and it's thumbs up by not just 
unchurched, but church people. So you got to tell me, we have to figure out not just why, but what's the truth? Why the shift? What does God want us to say on the topic? What would God have us know about the topic? Because a lot of people have shifted to that, and they believe, in my mind, that will bring them and get them the happy home. So what I pray you'll do for me today is allow God to speak to you, allow the research and, and insights from stats of experts who are not Pastor Tim and, and not my opinion, but studies. What are the stats and what do the scriptures say about living together and the happy holy home? But before we get into it, I want to start with that home, the one God founded and, and what marriage is. Like, we need to understand, and I hope you're all willing to accept and agree with me, that dating, engagement, and marriage are different. Can I get that? Can you, do you believe that? There's some of you here who don't. Like, in some people's minds still today, once you get engaged, you are married. Like, you might believe that, you might be that committed, but that's not the same thing. Engagement is a custom. Engagement changes in culture and time. Engagement can be broken. And engagement is not ordained by God. And breaking one is not sinful. So those three things are different. So we have to understand what marriage is to help us get insight on living together, what God speaks into it, what he wants us to know about it. So let's start there, Genesis 2. Last week I talked about how God saw it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. He designed us to do life together. Here's the end of Genesis chapter 2. After Eve was created, Adam's final words were, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. God inspired Moses to write the very words he heard Moses speak. And then God inspired Moses to give us a, a summary statement of what marriage is. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. If you want a definition for marriage, what takes place when you reach that point what is, what is God's definition of it? It's simply these three things. Leave, cleave, and weave. Fancy, memorable, write them down. And here's why it matters. Leaving is your primary relationship of, of parent and child is now changed. Once you get married, this is now the primary relationship. Your spouse, the person you are marrying, becomes number one responsibility. You leave. That is primary, and this becomes primary. You cleave. You are united together. The Hebrew word means stuck together. Leave, cleave, promises, weave, intimacy, physical, spiritual, emotional. And God's design for that, biblically speaking, on the pages of Scripture, only comes at the point of leaving, cleaving, then you weave. And that's what makes marriage different. God designed it for and reserves for it intimacy. But there's a whole lot more that makes marriage different. It's the only one, when you date someone, you make no vows to them. 
When you're engaged to someone, you give them a ring, but there's no public ceremony and vows are spoken. Only marriage has that. Only one of them requires legal action to do it and undo it. Like, it's just different. God says so, the world says so, we need to say so. You date someone to figure out, could they be the one? You get engaged to someone because you believe they're the one, and when you get married, they become the one united to. They're different. And that matters because somewhere along the way, from dating to marriage, our world now has inserted cohabitating, living together. And in order to figure out, is it right or is it wrong? Is it good or is it bad? Is it wise? Is it unwise? What does God say on it? We need to answer and wrestle with some questions. Here they are. Here's what I want to hopefully answer for you today, because I think they're the, the questions in play that we need to wrestle with and understand. First, is it wrong biblically? Is it wrong? Like some of you got hammered when you were younger that, and instilled that simply living together before you're married is sinful. That's all they said. That's what they said. And they made it that simple. How many of you heard that, right? All right. Well, you're a pastor's kid, so. It's wrong biblically. And is it wise spiritually? And I'm going to say something that I need you to hear, and don't judge me. But simply living together with someone of the opposite sex under the same roof is not biblically wrong or sinful. Some of you are going, I'm out of here. Like, this pastor don't know what he's talking about. Well, here's what you need to understand. If it was wrong, then there'd be a whole lot of 922 kids who go off to colleges all around our world who live on the same floor of dormitories, shower in the same rooms, boys and girls. They walk around in their towels all the time under the same roof. If it was wrong, they'd be sinning. It's wise? But I can't say it's wrong. And if it was wrong, then I have sinned. Like on my first year here at 922, I had someone call me up and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. They came in and they talked to me. And this young lady said, my mom told me it's wrong for me to live with that boy and said it's sinful. You go talk to the pastor about that. I'm like, okay, well, this could be fun. So I asked some questions, figured out what was going on. Finally got to the point where I said, like, are, are you dating this boy? Are you attracted to this young man? And literally with disgust on her face, like she was going to, well, you understand. She looked at me and said, no. I am not attracted to him, never. And I'm like, we're good. You can live with him. You're friends. So in and of itself, it just can't be wrong. But is it? Is there a part of it? Is it possible? Is it wise? I want to answer that question for you. I want to give you two takeaways. I want to give you some practical truths. I want you to see some scripture what God would have put on your heart if you're considering this, if this is your case in life right now, if this is something that pops up in your life in the future, those of you who are teenagers and college kids, you might date somebody who says, hey, the next step, the logical step, is for us to shack up and move in. I hope you come back to this sermon and remember, is it wise and is, 
Is it wrong? Because I want you to have a happy, holy home. Does living together get us that? Now, all the reasons that people give, worldly reasons people give for living together, would tell you that they're doing it because they want, are looking for, hoping to have a happy home. I love them is the number one reason. I want to spend more time with them. I can't live without them. I need to see them every day. It makes me happy. Or how about this one? This doesn't just work for 20-somethings or 30-somethings who think about it. This works for 60-somethings and 70-somethings. It's good stewardship. I, I can save some money. And who of us isn't made happy when we save money? Amen? It's convenient. I can save time. Like, we live so far apart. I, if I lived it with you, it would be 20 minutes closer. I can, I can get to work sooner. It, it'll make me happy. And maybe you've had a kid, and, and you want your kid to be happy. And while you're committed to that, and you're not fully committed to, to each other, you want happiness in your home. Like, every last logical reason human beings come up with, including this one, we need to figure out if we're compatible. Because we don't want to blow it. We don't want to get divorced. We don't want it to end tragically like others that we may be seeing. We want to be happy, and this is our way to figure it out. Every one of them, every human reason, at the end of the day, is just that. From love, to savings, to convenience, to figuring it out, logically the human brain, why 85% think it's okay, why so many have shifted that way is they want a happy home and they believe this will get them there. Like if you live together before you're married, you'll figure out if that person is right. So you can get out if it's wrong. And there are probably some of you who think that's true. All the logic says those things make sense, especially the one like, let's make sure it's going to work before we take the plunge. I need you to hear two things, stats and scripture, to get an answer. The stats are this. In 2019, Pew Research said this about cohabiting couples versus married couples. They compared them. They asked a whole bunch of questions. And married couples outpaced percentage-wise from positive ratings, cohabiting people in every category of the survey, from intimacy to trust to selflessness to chores to to kids in, in every category, physical, emotional, relationally based, married couples rated their lives as better than cohabitating in all those areas. Oh, Pastor Tim, that is a religious survey. You guys made up those numbers to convince us otherwise. Well, let me give you a survey from UCLA, which is not a Christian school. It is a, a college on the West Coast and they did a study on cohabitation and people who got married after living together. And their study found this. Cohabitators experience significantly more difficulty in their marriages with adultery, alcohol, and drugs. There's more cheating and there's more substance abuse. Now, none of those things are a happy home, are they? Or here's one last survey, not a Christian one. Two researchers, 
studied marriages and cohabitation. They said this in 2018, released these results. Cohabitation before marriage was associated with a lower risk of divorce in the first year of marriage. But every year beyond that, a much higher one. Like the first year, those people stuck it out, maybe because they had been together a little while. But once you cross the one-year threshold, people who lived together got divorced at a higher rate than people who didn't cohabitate. I'm not making that stuff up. Is it wise? The world would tell you, not if you want a happy home. And God would tell you that too. Like God says this about marriage, it is a different kind of relationship. It's not a contract, it's a covenant. Look again at Ephesians 5. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You first is the covenant of marriage. You first is the promise God calls people to in marriage. And cohabitating along the way, it'll make me happy, has nothing to do with you first. It has everything to do with me. It's a contract. Like your Verizon contract. And when your data plan and your costs and their phone offerings aren't as good as the other one, you can get out of it. And I'm just telling you, that is not Me first is not happy. You first is blessed. So here's what I would have you consider and remember. Like just based on the stats, just based on the scripture, if we don't even get into right and wrong, we just talk about marriage and living together, all those things, like if we don't get into anything beyond just the, the reality of it, if you want to be happier, the stats would tell you, scripture would tell you, wait. Wait. If you want a happy home, wait. I know it'll be harder because it might cost you money and you won't see the person you are so in love with and it might be inconvenient, but you will be happier. Because when the covenant comes first before the living together, when things go bad, when they don't pick up after themselves, when, when they're not quite the person you thought they would be, you don't run away. You work together. That's godly. That's worth waiting for. If you want to be happier, wait. But what about holy? Like Pastor Tim, come on. What about holy? Is living together spiritually wise? Is it wrong? See, here's the thing. Like, I don't live under a rock. I know the world. And so do you. And the reality is that 99% of people who cohabitate are in a relationship and are already intimate. Like most people who move in together before they get engaged or even after they're engaged are already cleaving and weaving physically. Like if you can look me in the face, say I'm living with my girl, we got separate bedrooms, Pastor Tim, 
Like, I, I don't sleep with her. We, we, we are not sexually active. I am not intimate with her. Like, if you can tell me that, if, if you want to be honest about that, God knows that, but the odds are good. And I'm not believing the worst of you. It just is reality. And if that's the case, God has a whole lot to say about that. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, this just isn't about living together. This is about God and how uniquely he designed you. God and the gift of sex and intimacy that he longs for in marriage and the blessing that, that he knows it can be when husband and wife share that together in that covenant relationship. Like this is about God and all of that. And there are a whole lot of ways that we get outside of that. And God speaks to that. So what about holier? God says the marriage, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Like, you know how serious you are about abuse and racism, how you feel about it, how it churns your insides? That's how serious God is about sexual immorality. That's God. And I need that to sink in. Like, take that seriously when God says, I will judge the sexually immoral. Like, when you're the one putting the pressure on that girl to do something she doesn't want to do, and you, you say, let's live together, we love each other, it's the best way to figure this out and make it work, that is sinful. When you mock and laugh and say, that's old school, that is sinful. When you say, God's ways are not the world's ways. I'm going to do what I want it my way. I think this is going to get me happy and holy. That's sinful. Like crossing the line of sexuality, taking something God reserves only for marriage before you're married is wrong. And I know I made this sermon about living together because it puts you in that situation, but some of the people who have said, well, I just won't live together to keep grandma and mom and dad happy, but I crossed the line anyway, God's talking to you too. God's talking to all of us when it comes to sexuality, to lust, to doing things that God has called us not to do. And if you can convince me and you want to fight back on me and say, but pastor, I can do it. I can live under the roof. The saving of money, it just has to happen. We can do it. We'll be pure. We'll honor it. I need you to hear another passage about it. There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. I did not live with my wife before you're married. But I sinned. Like, I'm super attracted to my wife. And I was when I was 20. And the thoughts I had and probably the things that were done, were they a hint? I, I, I'll just be honest. I'm not going to get into what I did and didn't do. That's my business and God for me to deal with. But, but I wasn't perfect. But I do know if I would have put myself under the same roof with her and live with her and saw her walking around, hmm, it was not going to happen. Not even a hint, God says. Lust is too much. Coveting another person 
of how God, what God has given to them, their body, is too much. It's not just about the act. It's about the thoughts. And I think we've got to be honest about that. Like, can you honestly be holier if you live together before you're married? Because you can't open any page on the book of the Bible and tell me, as I thought about it and prayed about it, God spoke to me and said, this is probably wise. And this will make you holy. Which is why I want you to remember that this. If you want to be happier, like the stats tell you, Scripture tells you, wait. But if you want to be holier, if you want to honor God, if you don't want to put yourself in an impossible situation under the same roof with someone you are attracted to and you love and maybe even plan on spending the rest of your life with, if you want to be holier, wait. 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 It's the best path to happy and holy. And God knew that. The Apostle Paul wrote these words about how important it was to be holy. Is it wise spiritually? Is it wrong biblically? If you're crossing lines, taking something God has reserved only for marriage, that's wrong. And that's not wise. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. As for these matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. Live for God. As in fact you are living, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. We want you to be holy, for you know what instructions we gave you from Jesus himself. It's God's will, it's what he wants, that you should be sanctified, holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. If you want to be happier, wait. The world says it. The stats prove it. Scripture reinforces it. If you want to be holier and live up to what God says, wait. And you might wonder how can I do that? Like, I get it's hard. It's hard to be holy in this area. It's hard to be holy at all. But Jesus can help you. Because Jesus has been holy. 2,000 years ago, the writer of the Hebrews, right after that section of honor the marriage bed, pointed people back in the direction of Jesus and the cross He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like this sermon is about a very specific thing, but each and every one of us who's ever lived on the face of planet Earth has probably crossed the line when it comes to sex and purity, whether thought or action. But Jesus didn't. The one who was perfect then is still perfect now. The one who came to Earth and now is in heaven is greater than your sin. He has made you holy. The blood of Jesus has purified you from all sins. Today is a new day. Like if you're in it right now and, and this is your situation, run to the cross, run to Jesus, call on him for help. Consider what God would have you do. If, if you've been there before and you've gone through this before and you made that decision and you're living with regret, grace trumps guilt. Jesus has forgiven you. If down the road in the future, you struggle with this and wrestle with this and you cross the line and you, you, you confess it. Remember who Jesus is, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is holy and has made you holy. He forgives you and he loves you. And he also empowers you. Like you can't say no without Jesus, but you can 
say yes through the Spirit in Jesus. You can. You can wait. You can wait. And it will make you happier and holier. Which is really what I want to say last, and then we need to go on because I'm running out of time. I've probably crossed my time already. There are four different groups of you who are in here, and first I want to speak to those of you I just talked to. If this is you right now, God's working on your heart. What does it look like to, to be holier, knowing that you want to be happier? What needs to change? What's the conversation you need to have? What can you do? What does repentance look like? Not every situation is the same. If you want my advice, come and talk to me. I won't hammer you. I want to help you. If you've done this before, remember, grace trumps guilt. You are forgiven. Own it. Talk to God about it. Move forward. Maybe you're married to that person, and you need to hear that. Third, if you are a young person in here right now, hold on to those two thoughts. If you want happier and you want holier, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever pressure someone else into doing it and moving in together and never be pressured. It'll be better if you wait. And lastly, to all of you in here, you will know somebody eventually, a 922 person, a family member, a grandchild, someone who the world's motto of it tells them it's okay. Can I convince you to, to leave today with a heart that longs to speak 200-proof grace and truth? Do not do what Pastor Tim did for the first many years of his ministry and just hammer people and say, it is sinful and wrong. Instead, ask the questions, is it wise? Spiritually. Will this actually produce happy and holy? Because that's what you want, right? And then share the stats. Speak the truth. Don't hammer them. Help them. Because you want happy and holy for them too. And that's possible because of him. And let's pray about that for our church. Heavenly Father, we long for happy, holy homes, but this world is broken so, Lord, I pray for people who are here who have struggled with this, who maybe crossed the line with this, who are coming to you right now confessing this, who don't know what to do about this, and for the future generations, Lord, we want happier and holier, and waiting will produce that. It always will. Because you long to bless marriages with intimacy and happy holy homes.